Welcome to Dublin Bible Church and welcome to our brand new series called Forgiveness, the Journey from Hurting to Healing, uh, which you saw that beautifully portrayed in that video. This is, uh, all of the series is about three different things. Uh, the, the movement of Christianity is, is a relational movement into three different directions simultaneously. The, the first movement is the movement upward towards God. It's a, it's a restoration. The movement of Christianity is a restoration between mankind and God, the divine God and, and the not divine human being. So it's an upward movement in relationship with God. It's an outward movement from us. So it begins with a vertical relationship, an upward relationship with God, but then it goes into the horizontal. So it's a movement outward, so upward and then outward. So it's a, it's a movement movement of love and restoring relationships outward because we're told that we need to love our enemies as hard as that is, right? And also love our neighbor. But then the word of God tells us, I believe it's Matthew 19, 19. It says that we need to love the neighbor, love our neighbor as our what? As ourself. So not only do we have to have a, a right relationship with God, which is what we're all about here. I mean, honestly, we can get a lot of things wrong when it comes to church, doing things wrong, but that has to be the center point that we always get right. That it always has to do with this, this walk is not a religious walk, but it's, it's a relational walk with our heavenly father restoring humanity those who would repent of their sins and come back to God, repent of their fallenness and their sin nature coming back. So it's this, this desiring to have a relationship upward with God, outward towards other people, but also love your neighbor as yourself. So it's a, it's a, it's a love inward. So upward, outward, and inward. So we're going to spend three weeks talking about these, th these three things. And, and we're going to, to dig deep into each one of these areas. So we're going to start with what does the forgiveness of God look like? What does it look like? Like, how does it, how does it reach me? Here's one thing I absolutely know. Like, I believe this with, with every part of my being. Everyone who's listening to this message or viewing this message right now needs this. Because whether you are a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus, a follower of the way, Christian, however it is that you term it, or not, we all need forgiveness. Because I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna give you the goods up front. Sin doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you a dead person. It makes you a dead person. So sin just doesn't make you do bad things. It makes you dead. It makes you spiritually dead. The only way that we can be spiritually alive is through the promise of the gospel according to Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is at the center of that. As a matter of fact, my friend, Mr. Miyagi, said something very similar to that. This is what he said. A man with no forgiveness in his heart lives in worse condition than death. A man with no forgiveness in his heart, just in case I'm not that connected. I don't know Mr. Miyagi, right? I don't even think he's alive anymore. I certainly didn't know him. I don't know him. But this is a rocking quote, so I'm using it. Like, and it's so true because the, the only thing worse than this is when a man doesn't have forgiveness in his heart because the only thing that's worse than dying is dying apart from God. That's the only thing worse than dying. Like if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been forgiven of your sins and like the, the blood of Jesus is atoned for all of your brokenness and wickedness and your sin and you're no longer just, just living life out of your sin nature. If you have a divine nature, like there's some awesome things happening when we leave this earth, amen? There's some awesome things. I think uh, of the list of awesome things is just being able to dwell in the glory and presence of God. 
of which we just have a shadow reality of that right now. See, the only thing that's worse than death is dying without forgiveness in your heart, without having the forgiveness of God to wash you clean of your sins. So this leads us to three questions that I hope to have answered, not today, but throughout this series. The first question is this, how do we let go of, of hurts and burdens and properly handle conflict with others? Anybody need that? Anyone? Anyone? I'll assume by the, by the subtle grins, everyone. Second thing is this, is it okay to be angry when people hurt us? Does, does forgiveness mean that now I'm a punching bag? Like I'm a forgiving person, so I just take it and I take it and I take it in the name of Jesus. We're going to find the answer to that too. Last question that will be answered, my, my desire is, is forgiving and forgetting the same thing? Is forgiving and forgetting the same thing? I, I, can, I can tell by your engagement right now, some of you are like, I know the answer to some of those, but I know that but many of you may think you have the answer, but yet your actions would show otherwise. You would say, oh, I've got this, yeah, I've heard this, but your actions are showing otherwise. So we're gonna get to the bottom of that as well. The main passage this morning is actually going to come out of John 8. But before we get to John 8, I want to share a couple other scriptures. But do I have any, any bowlers in here? Anyone, anyone bowl like on a regular basis? Or like bowl? Anyone like bowling? Anyone? Anyone? Thank you. Like no one bowl? Either that or you're ashamed of bowling. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. You're like, ah, I don't bowl. I'm like, I'm getting one finger. Like, I, I'm fairly athletic. I can do a lot of things decent, decently well, not like rock star well, but decently well. Bowling is not one of them um, ever. So I just want to, I want to survey. We actually had somebody who had bowled a 250 in the 915. That was great. So I'm, I'm going to set the bar really low right now first before I get to 250, uh, not to shame anyone, but has anyone in here bowled a 150? Anyone, 150, raise your hand. You can, you can participate in church. I'm really counting on you right now. It's going to fall flat if you don't. I've got a few. Thank you. Anybody in here, I'm, I'm, I'm up and at 50. Anyone in here ever bowl a 200? 200. Look at that. You should be proud of that 200. You should put your hand up high for that. Has anyone in here bowled a 225? And all God's people said no. <laughs> like, that was amazing. It's like, everybody, it's like 200. Yeah, I got this 225. Heads went down. Like, that's just what happened. Like, there's, there's a lot to bowling. And, and I've, I've gotten some bad advice. I think it's bad advice in the past when I would go out and I would try to bowl. I mean, when I would try to bowl, I got some advice. Um, it was, somebody told me, it's like, it's just like shaking, shaking a hand. It's just like shaking a hand, like releasing the ball. It's like shaking a hand. It's like you just turn it, shaking the hand. I was like, well, I can do that. But like, I didn't know what that was. So, and then I looked at all the dots, like, you know, in the lane, like you look at all these dots and I was like, I just thought it made sense to start with the middle one because that's just what you do. I'm like, I just following the rules, man. I want to get in the middle. So I would line up, I'm right-handed. I would line up, like put my hand right here, but it was like shaking the hand. And then after a while, it didn't matter what the lane was. It's like, I would go up and I, I didn't, I'm not even going to mimic what I tried to do because I'd embarrass all of us. But, um, but so then it would be like shaking the hand and I would like do this, but I would shake the hand a little too hard. And then I would just throw the ball and it would side spin going to the gutter. So then eventually after gutter, 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 I, I straightened it out a little bit. And I was like, ah, okay. So it's shaking the hand. And he said, well, slow down when you shake the hand. I'm like, oh, okay. So then it just, it slowed down and it made it down the lane just a little farther before it went in the gutter. So I was like, that's horrible advice. Thank you very much. But then I, I was like, I'm smart. I mean, I'm, I'm educated. So I'll just go a dot over. Right? And then I finally worked it out. 
um, I worked out that I don't bowl. That's what I worked out. And, and then they told me, oh, it's, all, it's not just a matter of the way that you, you shake the hand. Also, it's a matter of the ball. And you have to have the, like, the right ball, the size of your hand and the size of your fingers. And if you've got big club fingers, they even have a bowling ball for you, apparently. And it's like all of these things. And like you get the ball and you have to hold it the right way. And some people trick it out and go, I don't even know how they do it. Like you ever tried to put your finger in one of those bowling balls and then they're like not lined up? And I'm like, seriously, they only had to have four fingers. That, that has to be the explanation there. But it's like... Like you, you line yourself up and they said, you got to get the right ball. And it was always so difficult. I remember that so many times it isn't like one example. It's many examples to where I don't have a bowling ball. I'm like, I'm not shaming you if you do. I'm proud of you if you do, but I don't. And so I'd always be at the mercy of whatever's available. And I always get like, like the teenage girl bowling ball, I think. It's the pink one that's just lonely. It's sitting there. And in like the, the, the part, I don't have like huge fingers, but they're not dainty neither. So it's always like you have to just cram your fingers in the hole to even get it to go. If not, you just have to palm it. And like, and that doesn't work because I'm shaking the hand. So I mean, I'm, I'm bowling challenged. You're obviously seeing this and experiencing this with me. Who feels bad for me right now? Thank you. I love you. That's great. So, so, but, but here's how it would always work out. I'd always get this ball and it was like always a little girl ball. And then, and then it would follow with, I'd go to let go of it and it'd go because my finger stuck in the hole and then it would go and it would always go and then it would fall out and on and then go what? And then it would hit the lane and boom. And then it would roll down and it would be miserable because I'm a miserable bowler. But I tell you that, that whole story because it's all a matter of letting go, isn't it? Like it's all a matter of letting go. And isn't that what forgiveness is? Like we want, we desire, we crave for someone to act on our behalf to let us go of our sin. Like we, we crave it, it's deep in our bones. We, we want somebody to say, I forgive you. What we're gonna see in Ephesians 1, 7 and 8 is what God says about forgiveness. And then after this, we're gonna see a story. We're gonna fly through this story. I'm gonna give you three principles to walk away with and chew on. Then we're really gonna have to spend weeks on these. But Ephesians 1 verse seven says this. In him, so who's him? Somebody tell me. I could have swore that I heard Moses in the 915, but I was so desperate. Like nobody, nobody said anything and I thought I heard Moses. I was that close to taking it. I was like, I'm going for anything right now. But Jesus is the correct answer. In Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. Redemption through his blood. What's the next part of that? Somebody read it back to me. The forgiveness of sins. The word forgiveness is so integral to what we're talking about today. We're gonna to see this in a minute. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Now, I want you to know this. When we talk about the forgiveness of sins, that's not, look at me, please, everybody. I don't care if you're taking notes or not. I, this is probably the most important thing you're gonna hear because of where we are culturally. Just because you may have or the extension of for, the forgiveness of your sins exists doesn't mean that you use that forgiveness as a license to commit more sins. It means that just because I'm, 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 a sa I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I've punched my ticket, I'm going to heaven, I'm in right relationship with God, I have this moment when I was eight years old and I walked this aisle, I did that thing, doesn't mean that you go live the rest of your life for you. That's licentiousness. That's using the grace of God as a license to commit more sins. That's not the point here. The point of the forgiveness of God is in the event of, and you will commit more sins, that there's forgiveness available because of God's grace. Not that in your mind that you would live your life on your terms, 
just trusting, well, I'll just do my thing and I know that I'm forgiven. And some of you, perhaps some of you in this room have been living your life with that lie. That you call yourself a Christian, but you're not pursuing him. You talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. And the Holy Spirit convicts you of that. Or for you, you don't have the Holy Spirit at all and you're convinced that you do. And you have no redemption. All you have is self-effort, working hard, a religious story, a religious parent, and some story that you think was the plan of salvation, but wasn't. So let's really be honest about where we are spiritually. When we say in him, we, that, that is talking about a caveat of people, not all people everywhere. That's a caveat of people, we, followers of Jesus Christ, followers of the way, Christians have redemption through his blood. To think that, that God that was, was in heaven and he didn't have to act, but he chose to act by sending his son, Jesus Christ, who, who walked on earth, who did what we do, and he lived his life in such a way that that's not that different from ours, although we're a little bit more technologically advanced. Okay, we're a lot more technologically advanced. But he had the same challenges that we do, and yet he didn't sin. But it wasn't God's Part, plan B, that was God's plan A to send Jesus as an offer of redemption for your sins and mine. But I know that some of you are convinced that you're saved and you're not. And I want you to know just down deep in your soul, sin doesn't make you bad, it makes you dead. Without the redemption through the blood of Jesus, you're still in your sins. And you are limping through your life by your own power, by your own profession, by your own portfolio. But there's no salvation in you. I want you to receive the true work of salvation in your life. Stop pretending that in him, in Jesus, there's this offer of redemption only through his blood, not through your efforts, not through your religion, not through your parents, not because of your ethnicity, nothing apart from Jesus offers salvation. It's the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. The word forgiveness is, is the Greek word. It looks like aphesis, but it's actually, it's actually pronounced aphesis. So the word offices in Greek is divine forgiveness. That means that it's a forgiveness, a part of self. So it's separate from self because we have a fallen nature. So now we need a new nature. We need a divine forgiveness. You track with me so far. But also this, this sending away, this forgiveness is a sending away of our sin. If you're in Christ, your sins are separated as far as your east is from your west. As the east from the west. You're totally separated from your sin. Like for eternity, we feel the effects of our sin. We do commit other sin and other people feel the effects of our sin. But as far as salvation is concerned, you are separated from it. Divine forgiveness. It's a sending away or letting go. The letting go. Verse eight says this. We started with verse seven. Verse seven, I'll read it first, then go to verse eight. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse eight, that he lavished on us with wisdom and understanding. That he lavished. 
that he lavished and just picture just something that's just over and over and over and over and over and over. And just when you think he's done, there's more and it's going over and over. Just picture somebody's pouring water into a cup and it's just overflowing and it's never stopping. That is the, the lavishing of God's grace on us. That's the lavishing idea. It's just over and over and over. It's not even on a condition of you. It's just that God's grace is on offer and it's just always going over and over and over what we expect, what we could muster up ourselves with all wisdom. So he lavished us. It's God's abundant grace lavished on us, connecting verse seven and eight, with all wisdom, which means now we don't, we don't live our life just caught up in the here and now. Now, if you are a forgiven person, you can become a forgiving person. Because with the idea of wisdom, when we talked about this months ago, it's being prudent, it's the long view of life. So now we're not just living our life for today. Now I just, I'm not just gonna hold on to the offenses of other people. I'm not even gonna hold on to my own offenses that I've committed against me. Instead, God is allowing us, lavished on us over and above this wisdom, this long view of life, this prudent view of life. And then understanding the way that it was translated out is, is just the right way of thinking. And if I'm honest, some of us have poisoned our own thinking. Some of us have poisoned our own, our, our own thinking to, where as maybe you gave your life to Jesus, there was a day and a moment in time where you did that and you were truly saved. And yet we've been living our life with poison thoughts and the gospel is the antidote for that poison, amen? Like some of you just simply don't believe it. And you've been living your life in, in a way that with poison thinking to think that you're beyond God's grace. That, that yes, I gave my life to Jesus, but there was a time that I did this thing or they did this thing or my kid walked away or I should have been there. I didn't show up or I didn't give, or I didn't serve. And, and it just, it all broke down. And yet you have maybe a poison way of thinking about it where you think, you know what? I just, I fell away from God's forgiveness. Notice that word offices is a divine forgiveness. It's a letting go. It's a sending away. It's not on condition of you. It's on condition of God. It's divine forgiveness that he has on offer. But it's the right way of thinking. We need to look at forgiveness in the right way. We need to look at forgiveness in the way that the gospel speaks to us, not just in a moment, but that the gospel speaks to us continually. Not letting us off the hook, but understanding what Jesus did. So if you are a follower of Jesus, this is a familiar verse, but I wanna share it even though it is familiar. First John 1, 9 says this, that if we confess our sins, okay, okay if, you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, let this sink in just in case you think that my sins cannot be forgiven. I've, I'm so far away from God. I love what AJ said. It isn't that God walked away. You walked away. And maybe in that, you need to, to, to repent. You need to come back to God. And this is the pathway back. If you confess your sins, that he, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness, right? So that's the what they call the Christian bar of soap. I'm not really a big fan of that term, but I guess it does fit as far as this goes. So you can have right relationship with God and all, all we have to do is repent, turn away from what we're going away from God and lean back into God. And then I want to continue the same line of thought in Hebrews, starting in verse 22 of chapter 10. 
It says this, draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Anybody in here want a guilty conscience? And everybody said, amen. And having our bodies washed with pure water. Draw near to God, draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. And the draw near to God with a draw near to God with a sincere heart. Think of it in this way: it's approaching God while being agreeable to the truth. It's approaching God with being agreeable to the truth. It's approaching God even though what you did was a sin against God. Approaching God even though what you did was a sin against yourself. It's approaching God even though you committed this sin against someone else. It's approaching God with being agreeable to the truth. Yes, I did this, but I can still go to you because you're a God of grace and forgiveness. And because the greatest act of mercy was to quench God's wrath of which Jesus quenched when he died on the cross. You see, the cross is where God's justice and God's mercy met. That's where they met. So it's drawing near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. What the author of Hebrews is pointing to now is, is the Old Testament way of atoning for sin, that they would have to go and sprinkle blood on the Ark of the Covenant. And that was, that was to cleanse them. I'm so thankful that we don't, we, we don't have this, this, this place that we go to and this messy, bloody process. Instead, Jesus became the messy and bloody one on behalf of the sinner. And having our bodies washed with, with pure water, this is signifying baptism, believer's baptism, not the baptism saves you, but that baptism signifies that you're saved. Now, let's go into John 8, and we're going to go through this story 11 verses, and we're going to see some amazing things. We're going to pull out three particular points of interest. This is what it says in John 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law, here they come, and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher! This woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? Or now what do you say? They're trying to trick Jesus. They knew that Jesus had a following. They knew that what Jesus said piqued the interest of other people. So now in this moment, they, I just want to tell you, they had no care and concern for the woman involved. They did not. Uh, Jewish people... And even in the Roman culture and the Greek culture, they didn't value women like, like the gospel says that women should be valued. We're going to see that, that Jesus has this conversation that is so countercultural. It's so counter theologically to the Jewish way of living. Because now the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they go up to Jesus. But I want to tell you, they're using this woman as a pawn. There's a lot of people who question, well, why is it that this woman went forward when the Levitical law said that the woman and the man should have gone forward? But I don't want to pose an argument from silence. What I will say is perhaps they were just trying to use this woman 
and they didn't see her with dignity and value, it could be. Or it could be that the man has like Usain Bolt speed and got away. I don't know. One of the two things. But all we know is the woman is here and now they're trying to, to use her to get at Jesus. We know this because the scripture says so. Look at verse six. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him, for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down, started to write on the ground with his finger. I love this. He doesn't have to stand to defend himself. He knows what's happening. This doesn't catch him off guard. He doesn't have to get up and start wagging his finger like, oh, you, you, you teach us law, you Pharisees. He does this later on. He, like, he gets in the grill, but in this moment, he doesn't. Some scholars believe that what perhaps maybe he was writing in the dirt is Jeremiah 17, 13, and this is what it says. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. So some people think that, that what Jesus was writing in the dust was that, but apparently that wasn't for us to know because we don't know that for sure. What we do know is what happened next. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground, only Jesus. Verse nine, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. So now Jesus says this and the older ones, probably the wise ones are like, uh, we're stumped, we're out of here. The older ones first and the, old, the younger ones certainly were like, uh, yeah, we gotta go too apparently. But only she is standing before Jesus. So Jesus straightened up and he asked her in verse 10, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. So at the same time, Jesus didn't condone her sin, but he didn't condemn her either. Jesus didn't condone her sin, but he didn't condemn her either. Three things I want us to see from this passage. The first one has to do with uh, how Jesus makes the work of forgiveness personal. He makes the work of forgiveness personal. He addresses her personally. The forgiveness that Jesus has, offer, has on offer is personal to you. It's personal. Second thing, I got that, by the way, from verse 10. I got this one from verse 11. Jesus offers unselective forgiveness because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they wanted to select who they wanted to forgive and perhaps we don't know for sure, but perhaps they just forgave the man and let him walk away while she was the one who was brought forward. We need to, to lean into this truth instead of selecting who we're gonna forgive, which means that, that maybe right now in this moment that you need to start learning how to forgive the spouse who walked out on you and your kids. Maybe now in this moment, you need to start to forgive your boss who, who just continually looks over you and looks over you and looks over you and gives somebody else the promotion that you think you deserve. Maybe right now that you need to have uh, this unselective forgiveness just like Jesus and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna forgive my child even if they've walked away from me, they walked away from God or they walked away from everything that they know to be good and true. And the last thing, 
The third thing that I have is Jesus used grace and truth-centered forgiveness. And I have a short list I want to share with you while we bring this message home. Jesus is not enabling more sin by his response to her of grace and truth forgiveness. He's not enabling more sin because he told her to leave her sin. He's not approving or diminishing what happened. He's not denying a wrongdoing. He's not waiting for an apology. And he's not excusing of the damage done. This is something we have to model. So in this way, Jesus did not condemn her, but he also didn't condone her adulterous behavior. This needs to be what is said of every follower of Jesus. That we don't condone sin, but we don't condemn sinners. And we need to learn how to walk in this tension. Tell you that, it this way, it's like bumper cars. Life is like bumper cars. Because bumper cars is, if you've ever been in bumper cars, you've got in bumper cars, what, what you know to be true is a couple things. You, you actually have no control over the car at all. Like you know that. So as a consequence to that, you could think you're doing the right thing, but you're going to end up bumping into someone else or somebody's going to bump into you. So it's always going to be bumping into someone here, bumping into someone there, bumping into someone here, and bumping into someone here. And this is what we have to have as followers of Jesus. Your attention, please. We need to have preemptive forgiveness. Understand that you're going to have times where, oh, you bump into someone and you offend someone. Or somebody bumps into you and they offend you. And we need to not have thin skin and be so sensitive, but we need to have preemptive forgiveness. Because after all, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been forgiven of your sins. And those who have been forgiven ought to be forgiving. So I have one thing I want to put on the screen about grace and truth. If you guys could put that on the screen for me. Truth says you hurt me. You took advantage of me. You failed me. But grace says I'm a forgiven person myself, so I'll forgive you. This is the tension we walk in. This is the tension we walk in. And some of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, I solidified your salvation. Praise God. I want you to have full assurance of your salvation. I don't want you to doubt your salvation. I want you to walk in the confidence and strength of the Lord. I don't want you to shrink back. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be timid. I want you to be ferocious for the gospel. But I know there are others where you feel found out right now. Because what you thought was salvation was just your self-effort. And maybe right now in this moment, you feel like I'm not saved at all. I'm gonna invite you to do something. I would ask everyone to stand. I wanna invite you to do something. And then for others, I wanna invite you to be someone or be something. The first thing I want for us is if you're a follower of Jesus and, and you're still caught in a sin pattern and you just, you know that you're saved. I want you to know that 
that the altar's open and you can go before God and say, God, I'm trusting in your forgiveness. I didn't mean to use this as a license for, my, for, for, for continual sin. And maybe you just need to make this moment and just declare it before God and say, God, I am sorry. I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to trust in your forgiveness. As you trust in the cleansing of your sins. So maybe for you, you are a Christian and you just need to come forward just to acknowledge, God, I'm caught in this sinful pattern and you just need to acknowledge before God, please help me out. Or you need to come forward to do something and just to, to be honest with God because you can draw near to God with the full assurance of what's true. Then maybe for somebody else in the room, you're not a follower of Jesus at all. So I wanna invite you to be someone. I want you to, I want to invite you to be a follower of Jesus. In large part, this whole talk was just one big long gospel presentation that Jesus has the plan of salvation on offer for you. And the only thing that you do is respond to the faith that he initiates. And some of you may need to just respond to that initiation. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? I want to lead all of you in, in a prayer and maybe give you a chance to respond. Father God, I pray that in this moment, God, I pray and I know that you're moving because your Holy Spirit inhabits every believer. God, I pray for the, the child of God who, who maybe walked away from you and now they know that you haven't walked away from them. They've walked away. God, I pray that they, would, that they would be drawn back to you by your grace and your mercy, that they would confess that sin, knowing that you're faithful and just and you will forgive that sin. And that you will cleanse, us, cleanse them of all unrighteousness. And they, and they could come right back in a right relationship with you right now, right into fellowship with you. For everybody who's here, if, if you just be honest with me in, in Jesus I'm just going to ask you some questions. Who, who in here would say, you know what? Forgiveness is really difficult for me. Just raise your hand. If you would say, you know what? I'm the only one looking. Say, forgiveness is difficult for me. You know what? Hands are up everywhere. Forgiveness is difficult for me. Maybe for you, you when it comes to this matter of forgiveness, there's a name that comes to mind. Like forgiving, I can forgive a lot of things and a lot of people, but I can't forgive this one person. Would you be honest with me and Jesus right now and just raise your hand and say, you know what? There's a person. Hands up everywhere. Hands up everywhere. I want to give you, if you had your hand up, I want to give you a chance to just sit and, and take that to the cross. If you're a follower of Jesus, preach the gospel to yourself. Confirmed by the word of God and the spirit of God that you're a child of God. That you're in him. And that he will, by grace, teach you to have the wisdom and understanding that you need to take the next step in forgiveness. And Lord Jesus, maybe for the person in the room who is not a follower of yours at all, and they're being drawn right now by the Spirit, they're being drawn to, to do something, to be someone, to be a Christian. God, I pray that, that you would give them the, the strength to step forward out of the rows right now, to step forward, even in a public way, to step forward and say, you know what? I need Jesus. 
I need Jesus to step forward and say, you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I need Jesus. If there's, if there's anyone in the room who says, I need Jesus, and you, you have not put your life in Jesus' hands, please step forward. Know that you can. This is a safe place. Maybe for everybody else, maybe you just need to come forward. It's just, a, just a, an act. Just publicly acting before God and just saying, you know what? I, I'm going to come forward. I'm going to pray at the altar. I'm going to be preemptive for in forgiveness. I'm going to take the first step. I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to acknowledge that I need more forgiveness or I need to, to forgive more people. And I want you to know that, that the altar is open for that. Come do business with God. If you need prayer for something else, the altar is open for that as well. Jesus, we thank you for loving us first, for initiating faith, not giving up on us, sending the Holy Spirit as as a comfort, as a guide. Thank you for your word that imparts wisdom, truth, and grace. We pray it in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.